right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is Wednesday, January 12th. Um, really excited for this episode. This is where young salespeople come to learn about the craft of sales, to get better at it, to make more money, to get their next job, whatever it might be. Um, I've got a great, great, great all-time interview today with Dale Dupree. He is the founder and CEO of the Sales Rebellion, which is a uh, you know consulting uh, sales training company that helps reps be a lot more creative. He's probably the most creative person in the world of, of sales that I know that I've met. Um, he's got such a different mentality than a lot of the other trainers that you see out there that have been doing the same thing for 30 years. Uh, he flips the script on pretty much everything that you know about sales. Before that, he was known as the copier warrior uh, because of all of the copiers that he sold. And he kind of created this, this um, you know, other version of himself, this alter ego, so to speak. And we had a great conversation about his come up in sales, um, working for and with his dad and his relationship with him. Um, we talked about getting into the world of, you know, creating the sales rebellion, what led to that, you know, what exactly he's doing in that field, how we can be more creative salespeople. I think you're really going to enjoy this one, uh, Dale opens up. He's very authentic um, and he, he just a really inspiring guy. So I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Um, before we get to it, a quick word, um, please, wherever you're listening to this, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, hit subscribe. Uh, it helps us to grow the show and provide better content. Leave a review if you're on Apple uh, and definitely check out more content. I'm posting every single day on LinkedIn. Tom Alemo is my name. Um, and then I'm also on other socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Tommy Tahoe. So um, that's my quick word. Let's get into my content with Mr. Dale Dupree. Let's go. All right, now coming on to the Millennial Sales Podcast, the sales rebel himself, Dale Dupree. Dale, what's happening, my man? What's up, Tom? Chilling. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to be here. Excited to uh, to have you on. First time that we've we've chatted. I've seen your name. Uh, I've seen your face. I've seen the word rebel ten thousand times on LinkedIn uh, and heard of some of your epic stories. But this is the first time we're actually having a human to human conversation. So uh, I'm excited to learn. Yo, the feeling's mutual, man. I'm really excited to be here and hang out with you and get to just have a real gritty raw conversation about sales. <laughs> so um, let's start. We got a lot to get into. Let, let's start with the beginning. Um, I'm always fascinated with how people get into sales, whether that's by accident, whether they had a parent in there, whether it was some sort of uh, weird circumstance that that led them there. So curious, what was your first sales job? It's so funny to think about my story sometimes when I get this question, because I've I've heard everybody's story, right? I mean, I think we all have, but when you tell your own story, it's it's funny in, in your own mind. Maybe there's some people out there that can relate to it too, but my father in 1984, he he worked in a sales capacity for a very large organization. And they were the, the guys that were, you know, the biggest on the block, the best in the in the industry. They had the the reputation of being known by everyone. And he had the bright idea of doing it better than them. <clears throat> which is kind of interesting, right, in general. But if you listened to the details of why it's important, you know, that he felt that way, you would probably back him, you know, like in his idea. Just in general, the standard of the organization, because they're so large, it's like go, it's like having an internet provider, right? Anybody out there is listening, like, you got an internet provider, it's like they're the biggest, the baddest on the block, and there's like one other option. They both suck, and you have to deal with one of them, right? So my dad was like, why do we have to do that? And he, he started a company four miles away from his, of the county line, away from his non-compete, and he started a business. I was born a year later in 1985. It's important that you understand, though, too, that, like, my father started a copier company because <laughs> this might sound crazy to anybody listening that doesn't know that industry or even, like, says to themselves, is that still a thing? But copier companies... 70 to 80% of the time, they're family owned and operated. And there's a kid lined up to take over the company. So <laughs> you were like, when my dad starts this company, there's a 70 to 80% chance that me or one of my siblings will get into it 
and run it one day, right? So destiny was kind of put to to play in that moment. Now I was I was a a rebel from the get go, bro. I've always been extremely creative, extremely different. I was very good at sports, but I was the guy that was really good at sports, but wasn't a jock. I was a nerd, you know, and the, uh, uh, I was someone that cared about people also. Where in that in that realm, I noticed that like in most things, I didn't fit the mold or the stereotype. That I was just a little bit different, or that my heart told me that something needed to change and that I, I believed in those moments too, that it wasn't just a preference, that it was truth. So for me, you know, growing up, sure. I like, I had my dad, it looked like a lot of fun, but I developed slowly this identity of like, who's Dale and what does Dale want to do with himself? And so I ended up going and playing music and that's truly literally my first sales job. But I just lined all that up and y'all were all listening. Like, yo, he's going to go work for his dad. I went and I actually graduated high school at 17 years old. I was homeschooled. So I was able to kind of graduate early uh, from the curriculum side. Then I did walk an aisle and I got a diploma and I wore the little cap thing and I threw it in the air and, you know, and did the whole nine. Right. So I was like normal in that sense. But I did 52 days on tour with a band without any kind of record label backing or anything. And every single night I had to convince strange people to stay in the room and watch me play, to stay in the room and buy our CD to stay in the room and spend like an extra 20 bucks on shirts and stickers and for merch so that we could get in our car, fill it up with gas and get to the next spot and eat and sleep somewhere nice. Right. That was my first real experience and sales about five years into that. Uh, I, I ended up leaving the band. We got big and, and I don't mean like huge, just big enough to where like, that portion of music like started to like take over my life, the lifestyle, I should say drugs, alcohol, sex, all those things are very prevalent in that world. And that's not who I am or what I wanted for my life. And even though it was extraordinarily tempting to stay, I packed my bag, basically came home and said, Hey dad, can I come and work for your company? So there's the, there's your climax right there. Everybody's like, I knew he was going to come back and work for his dad. Like, yeah, I did. I, I came back and I worked for my dad, but I took all the principles of the things that I had learned in the music industry and, and the experiences that I had of dealing with consumers in the music industry. And I applied that as soon as I got to the B2B world. And it was a freaking nightmare if I do say so myself, but that's another tale. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that tale, but man, I've got, I've got a handful of questions for you already. So, um, all right, you, you graduate school, you're, you're homeschooled, your dad took that big risk. It's obviously a successful company because you're talking about it in the present. It, it still exists or has existed, you know, for a long time before it shut down if it did. Um, was there any sort of conflict of not going to, to college after high school or is that a non-issue internally, like with the family? You no, know, it, bro, I'll just say this, that um, I'm extremely grateful for the parents that I had because I did, I watched a lot of my friends have full scholarships, which I also did. I had academic and sports scholarships and I turned them all down. Um, so I, I watched a lot of my friends do the same thing and get ridiculed or like written off or told they were just making poor decisions and really like not supported. My mom and dad, sure, they're probably, you know, on the inside was a little bit of disappointment to an extent, like watching your son, like, achieve all these things and have this opportunity and then say no. But, but one thing my dad never told me that I learned later in my life is that he also dropped out of college and he, he blew his knees out playing football two years in and he left because he's like, I can't finish foot. I can't play football anymore. Why am I here? And he went in and he got a sit, he got a sales job selling paper at the same company that he eventually left and competed against and destroyed and annihilated. And, and at once he could directly compete after the non-compete was up. Right. So like, the story, I think that for my dad, it was like, look at what I've become as he watched me follow in his literal footsteps, but not make the decision to go to college at all. I think it was easy for him to digest that. And my mom is just an amazing human being, bro. So I'll tell you this, at the first show we did in Orlando before we headed out on tour, I'm like hanging from the ceiling, like people are bleeding, like we're a heavy metal band. It was a crazy show we were we were all high on life it was so much fun and i looked out dude at the very back of the venue and i could look dude i swear to you i have all the people i saw my mom and dad standing there looking back at me smiling oh, yeah 
It was so dope, dude. It was like one of those moments where I still get chills when I talk about it, that it was like, wow, they really do care. They do. They really want me to be successful in this. So, so that's a long answer to a short question, but it's an important one because it, it, for anybody listening, maybe you had an experience where you were like ridiculed in the process or you were tormented to some capacity, right? It's big or small. Don't be that to your kids. Don't be that to the next generation. Don't make that your legacy by any means, because the way my parents handled it, like, dude, it, it impacted my life. It changed the way that I looked at things, people, stuff, processes, everything. So remember that in your decisions around like whether you prefer this or you don't be careful about how you respond. I love it. Um, so five years in the band is that's super successful. I mean, to be able to, to string it and to get big and to be able to make money. Um, and you mentioned before you made the decision to leave, like the world of, of drugs and alcohol and sex and all that. Um, were you getting into that world or was it just around you and you weren't about it? Um, because I, I've talked about some of my struggles with, with some of that stuff in the past. Uh, a lot of guests, you know, have as well. I'm just curious if that was something yeah. where you noticed that in yourself or you were just like, nah, this, man, this isn't for me. Like, I got to find a different, I got to find a different path. It's interesting because I think this is a this is an easy answer to just kind of be um, the proper word for it is probably like to hide a little bit of the truth. The, the 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 real truth here though is that even if you're not about it, when you're 21 years old, bro, when you're 18, okay, that's how old I was, it was 17, 18 years old, right? When you're 18 and you're surrounded by those temptations, don't matter if you're about it, bro. Because you will, it will be so, it becomes so prevalent in, in a situation like that, that it will become a normal, even if it's a normal that you don't participate in, it will slowly seep in and it will slowly take over to some capacity, whether that's like, if you're thinking sex, like, okay, cool. So like, I never, I never cheat and I'm not going to cheat, but like, what about the influence that that has on you? So you say to yourself, like, oh, I'll just go and immerse myself in porn and that's better. Right. Or like, you don't do the drugs. You're like, yeah. The drugs are too much for me, right? But instead you do something else, like you get angry about people doing drugs and you beat them up and you become yeah. addicted to violence in the process, right? Like there is so much to this that I just want people to hear that when I say that, no, I didn't struggle with it, but yes, it was a constant temptation every day that I realized and recognized for myself that like, I can't keep saying no to this. And everywhere where I fell short with those things in any of those categories, I realized that like, if I'm 30 and having these same shortcomings or failures, if I'm married having these same shortcomings or failures, if like whatever's happening in my life, like can this sustain me and create the kind of outcome that I wanted? The answer was simply no, bro. And so I had to, even though I, it was a separation with the band that like started with me saying, I'm not going to tour. Uh, so we're going to get somebody to fill in for me for tour, but I still want to be a recording artist. I still want to be a part of that portion of it. And I'll do, I'll do shows in the local area and on the weekends if we're flying out somewhere or whatever. That was kind of the, the, the give and take. And then I slowly realized like there is no give and take. It's like either do it or don't. And so I just eventually had to stop altogether and, and go full-time into sales. So you then, you make that tough decision. You join your dad's business. What was the, what was the name of the, of the paper copy company? So the, the company he started was called Connectivity Business Systems. Okay. And so were you, were you a natural, like a chip off the old block because of your dad or, uh, or, or how, because I know you as the quote unquote copier warrior. So there has to be some sort of like hero's journey here, uh, in the sales world. I don't know how instant it was, but, uh, we'll get to some of the crazy shit you were doing, uh, to win business. But like, was that, it, was that all instinctual or, or how was the first you know, few years of that process? The, the things that were natural for me were, were, uh, subjects of uh, uh, around things like creativity. So when you talked about marketing or you talked about talk tracks, or you talked about just general engagement or communication with a prospect, those things were, it was natural for me to be able to, to, to do that well and non-traditionally also. It's very easy for me to do that. It was easy for me to not wear a suit. It was easy for me to, when I cold call somebody, not to say, Hey, I'm with this company and I'd like 30 seconds to speak to you, right? It was easier for me to call that same person and be like, yo, Brian, what's up? It's Dale. Uh, and this is like either going to be a waste of your time because it's a cold call, or we can both commit to each other here for the next minute or two and decide whether or not I've got something that you need. And, and if you'll take a risk, we can figure that out. 
it was easy for me to like start like in a building block at, at very small places like that, that evolved into things that are just ridiculous. Right. But that's when I think back to it, I think that those were the, the most, uh, you know, con- the things that I should say, the things that I was very good at were taking the risks and trying stuff that was very non-traditional. Sometimes it failed, right? Sometimes it didn't, but I find, I found the niches like where I could get that opening line so quick and so efficient that, that it interrupted the pattern. It caused the person to create a sense of curiosity and, and an emotional awakening in that moment that I realized sales is much more than what we boxed it into. As I was also learning sales on the side, you know, next to these things that were very uh, normal for me and very natural. I'm learning all this other stuff over here and I'm going, what is, what is all this? Like, why would I complicate what I'm doing? And, and like the thing is that I started where, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say necessarily who, like, and I never really have uh, yeah. in the last, you know, seven years of kind of like doing stuff like this on podcasts, but I'll say that it, it was all the popular stuff, right? I'm not going to say that I don't think that all of it or that I think all of it is bad. Like Ogmandino is one of the greatest authors. Ooh, he has an amazing book, right? Like that, he's one of the best, right? But like, I, I latched to the people that wanted to sell with soul, that people that wanted to connect, create impact and do something more than just like push a product, you know, because nobody wants to be sold anything. It's kind of the bottom line. So I, for me, like naturally I could get behind that message, but I was also being told over here on the side, like, yo, you got to do this. You got to have an upfront contract. You got to try this move. You got to close with the pen this way. You got to say this, you got to reverse that way. I mean, it was like confusing that for the first couple years of my career, it wasn't the prettiest, bro. I mean, I, I sucked to be quite blunt. I sucked. I was really good at what I knew I was good at. And I was getting all this traction in certain areas of the sales process and then losing everything right at certain points as well too. And, and just like wondering what am I, what's going on? <laughs> but it was that, again, it was that information overload concept. And it was that there are only two paths in sales, man. There's the authentic, very Tom, very Dale approach that, hones in on the identity of selling from the soul, right? And then there's the the other approach, which is like, give me a script, let me sell a product, I'll bang it out, Wolf of Wall Street style. And like, look, you can be successful with either of those, but one of them leads to prison and federal crimes, right, at the end of the day. And the other one leads to fulfillment and legacy and maybe not all the money that you ever wanted, right? But money is just a thing, bro. Like happiness, experiences, people, that's what really matters in life. And so, in those early stages of those couple of years, I got to really define for myself what I actually wanted. And after those two years were up, bro, year three, records. Year four, more records. Year five, sold the business because we had literally taken it to a place where my dad didn't need to run it anymore. And we had we had made the money back that we had lost in the 2008-2009 debacle with the economy hitting a recession, and it, which was a crazy experience, by the way. And, and I, I realized after those, those years, right. That, whoa, if I had at the very beginning, if I had gone, yo, Dale, give yourself five years instead of like, yo, Dale, every day, you got to bust your butt as hard as you possibly can to make success for yourself. Instead, if I would have just slowed down and calmed down and been like, yo, this takes time. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to have some failures. It doesn't mean you're bad. It means you're learning. It means that you're, you're gaining, you know, in these moments, if I would have known that that's at the beginning, it would have been a lot different, but I think it's really important that nobody knows that because then they, yeah. they can, they can literally like discover it for themselves and, and have the kind of epiphany that I did. So I'm, I'm so curious, like what, what do you think it was? Like you suck year one, you suck year two, year three, you're making records. Then, you know, the rest is history, maybe so to speak. Um, like it, it wasn't tactics. It wasn't reading. Yeah. I'm just going to throw out some, some random, it wasn't reading spin selling or question-based selling or this or that, which I, let's just take a quick tangent. I agree though. When people try to tell like first year sales reps to read some of these books that were written in the 1970s that are read like biology textbooks. Like if I gave someone a few books to start their career, it'd be Ogmandino. It'd be Napoleon Hill. It'd be the alchemist. I'm looking at my thing right now. It'd be maybe a, a you know one or two. It'd be mindset by Carol Dweck and maybe one other. And it's I I feel so much about you know feel so strongly that you know it's it's being able to sell authentically, which is what I'm picking up from you, and learning to kind of be within yourself within the sales and business context and make that work for you. Um, 
did you did you know anything like did you notice anything in particular in like year three ish that was like this was the thing that kind of made the big difference yeah i really it was the end of year two it was it was a letter my dad wrote me um by the way you know like my dad and I, just to say it, my dad, he was my best friend, bro. Um, mm-hmm. I miss him greatly. I lost him in 2016 to cancer. And it's wow. been a, uh, I appreciate that. It's been rough for sure. And it's part of the story, right? So it's important that I, that I honor his legacy by speaking his name. And, and I love what you said earlier about like, the business must still be in existence. And like, cause that's what I want people to feel, bro. I want people to feel that like it never died. He never left us and we never sold it. Everything was, it still is right. Like that's my, and me being intentional around the legacy I want to leave that's extended of his. Right. So, so when I, when I think about that, that second year and I think about the end of it, bro, he wrote me this, this letter, my dad was so good at articulating himself and like making you feel very powerful in your own skin and very comfortable in your own skin, just belief in yourself. And this letter is, you know, so it's eight and a half by 11 doc, you know, I had a letterhead on it. You know, I still have it. Uh, I actually, I've read it for a couple of um, keynote speeches that I've given and whatnot. It's, it's a pretty powerful letter where my dad basically tells me like, yo, you killed it this last year, but really like, I didn't do that good. I did pretty good, but he's like, you killed it this last year. And, and he basically gives me all these, these high points. And then he also gives me the low points. He talks about some struggles him and I had even like, Hey, I know we disagreed on a couple things here, but thanks for being patient with me. Like things he didn't even need to say, like, as I'm reading this, I'm just like, God, I'm the one that needs to apologize. You know, things like that where my, again, my dad knew the potential in me. He's seen it from the day that I was born, bro. He believed in it. He nurtured it. He taught me how to really be a man, which is to be somebody that is bold with truth, but that is empathetic in the way that they deal with people and the way that they believe, you know, life should be lived. And, you know, not to be some kind of destroyer or, you know, like something that goes around and pillages and takes what is his. Like my dad did a very good job at raising me and I was attracted to his aura, his essence. And so when I'm reading this message from him, it lit me up, dude. I I thought I did not do as good as I could have done. And then I sat back and I realized I was like, look at the things he pointed out. And I started to like break that down for myself and say, are those things like how important is that to me? And because I'm reading these things and going like, that's not that big of a deal, but are these things like part of my process that should be consistent and repeated and done better? So I started to, to really tap back into Dale, which is what, where the cop, this is literally when the copier warrior was born that year three, the, the first start of that year three, it was 2010, um, 2009, 2010, that ballpark. I was sitting at a table with my mom and dad and I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about like branding myself. And I wanted to start with this like really cool outreach piece that I, I learned from a realtor in Miami. This realtor in Miami was using these letters that he was sending out direct mail and he was putting in red marker. Don't throw me away again. And he, he was crumbling up the letter, uh, the envelope, not the letter inside, but the envelope and putting that on it and sending it to people that had their houses had been in the market for more than 90 days. Well, everybody threw those types of mail messages away, right? But they would get this thing and it was like, had a texture to it when they felt it. And they looked at this red marker that was like, don't throw me away again. And then they would open it up and it was a letter like, hey, like you get mail like this all the time. You just toss it. But I've seen that your house has been on the market for 90 days and I can get it sold in the next two weeks if you give me a shot. And this dude got like, you know, traditional mail marketing at that point. I think it was like less than 1% was the return and email and phone and like everything sucked at this point. And it's like early 2000s, bro. He got like a 20% response from this letter. Right. And he was a friend of a friend kind of thing. I, I read an article that was sent to me and they were like, dude, this is so up your alley. You should, you should do something like this. Well, I took that idea and I created what we call the crumpled letter. And I sat at the dinner table that day and I was like, so this is, this is my marketing piece. And I tossed it to my mom and she's like, it's a balled up piece of paper, but it was, there was a design on it. So you could see that there was something in it. And she's like, okay. And she opens it up and it was like, Hey, 90% of the sales and marketing you get that comes across your desk is garbage. And so I pre crumpled this one to make it easier for you to throw away because I value your time. <laughs> and, and that got me nine out of 10 appointments because of that. So, so really it was, it was this identity of saying like, dude, you're good at these certain things. You know, that sales needs a facelift, you know, it's time to change the game inside of your territory, time to give people 
something that they desire and deserve to have in the first place. Take the risk, see what happens. And so I just woke up. I woke up that day. And at the end of year three, I had, my dad wrote me the same style of letter, bro. But this one was like, you know, the numbers were different. The, I mean, it was, it was night and day. And I looked at the two letters even side by side at one point. I was like, this is the trajectory I want to be on the rest of my career. And, it, and that's what happened every year. I did better than the year before until the day that I stopped selling copiers in 2019. That's amazing. Um, and it's, it's almost like you was, was that when you kind of like started to call yourself the, the copier warrior? Was that like, it, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of, uh, are you, are you familiar with David Goggins and like, yeah, the, yeah. It, and how he like his story where he called himself Goggins, kind of create like an alter ego for himself. Um, and, and, in much different regards that we're talking about here. Um, but it's almost like you, you help to kind of shape, you know, this is like, this is the Dale that I want to be in and that I want to bring into sales. Um, I'm curious, like you can't do that unless you really, you know, kind of like work from within, so to say, I'm curious back then and to this day, like, how do you get in touch with Dale? Because right now more than ever, because, you know, most of us are working strictly off of Zoom. We're not seeing customers in person. We're not even seeing colleagues in person. And honestly, you feel like a robot half the time if you don't if you don't think hard enough. And so you can't be creative if you're acting like a robot, if you're just going from call to call to call and then calling it a day and then starting over the next day. So like, what do you do to stay in touch with Dale? Is it like a meditation? Is it walking? Is it writing? Is it maybe it just comes naturally to you? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So I, it doesn't come naturally because I, I actually struggle with depression. And, and so like Dale actually fights himself on a daily basis and says like, bro, you're not good enough. You don't have the strength to do these things, but I'm winning that war. Right. And I, so I, I know that Dale, even though Dale on the outside, right. You see this peppy, go lucky, happy. You're all hearing me like this guy struggles with depression. That's crazy. But that this is the real Dale, right? There's the other side, the darkness <laughs> that's constantly in my head. And so like when I'm not with people and I'm not recharging and I'm not feeling myself, it, it is really tough, dude. And imagine like, imagine that we had to be on Zoom 10 years ago, bro. In 2020, it was a little bit easier because like I had already kind of started even doing that. Even 2019, I kicked off my coaching career. It's doing a lot of virtual stuff, people all over the world. So I was kind of like ready and prepared for that. And, and, and it helped us evolve things like our sessions where we would play games and have sick backgrounds and, you know, stuff that's very interactive, watching videos, like having a lot of fun, but it is tough, bro. It is really tough uh, to tap into the piece of me that needs to like rebuild myself every day. And so like, so for me, like you talked about, like, what's the motivation? Like for me, it's my, it's my savior, bro. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus that's my recharge. Um, so, and, and, and that's a, a daily and a, and a moment to moment thing, right? Cause it's difficult also. It's like, remember earlier I talked about like, you have this conviction about not doing drugs, not being promiscuous, not drinking. And every day you're around the opposite of that, right? Like that's what we, like me as a Christian, like in the world, bro, every day I am tempted to not do the things that I, and like as a salesperson, man, it's easy to walk the path of the dark side, to, to scrub a signature and to like change a number on the back end or redline through something that you weren't supposed to. Like it's easy to do the little white lie stuff and it's easy to make a little extra money and manipulate people. Every single moment, bro, I have to tap into that piece of me that, that goes beyond what you see here in front of you and that is powered by something eternal. And I, I, I live in that on a daily basis. And because of it, it drives me to be a better person, to think about others, to be a servant leader, and to, to not just look at my outcomes, but like, how am I affecting other people at the same time too? So mm -hmm. like, the grind of sales, bro, you brought that up just briefly, like in the process there. So I just want to say that like the grind of sales doesn't have to be what people make it. Like I made, I worked 60 to 80 hours a week at one point during like my, my best years when I made buttloads of money, you know, just shy of seven figures in some cases. And like the thought process though, is that I didn't need to do that actually. I didn't have to put in that much time and energy and effort. I just needed to understand 
what was the time allocated toward and what was the outcome I was getting from it? And is there a way to reverse engineer the outcome to take less time and to, to, to produce something that is a lot more, just in general, a better quality for myself as a human and as, as Dale, somebody that struggles with things like depression. So, so really it's about constantly being at your best. And so the word I use is excellence. If every day you sit back and you say, I'm gonna do this Zoom call with excellence. I don't want to, but I am. I'm gonna have this conversation with this customer that just put an RMA together with excellence. I don't want to, but I am. I'm gonna to talk to this person that's asked for a discount for the third time now on this deal that's been live for the last 10 months with excellence. Not because I want to, but because I can, right? I can, we can, we absolutely can. We have to take that attitude toward things. And that will help you to see the little stuff, like the bad habits, like smoking cigarettes or you know having a, a fifth of whiskey at the end of the day. Like maybe those things are bad for you and they're actually the things that are truly draining you at the end of the day. So being into the micro in the moment is the most important and impactful thing. And I would tell people that like the spiritual side, like it's not a bunch of hocus pocus, y'all. Like, give it a shot, lean into it, and and regardless of what that looks like for you, um, you know, you can reach out to me and ask me, and I'll, I'll I'll be happy to share my experiences and my testimony with you and give you a little juice on that side. I like it. That's uh, it's an area that I've been spending more time in uh, in the last six to twelve months after a few years of taking some time off from it. We'll say um, so. Uh, I, I'm totally with you, though. I, I feel like that's um, that's been it. It helps to to solidify your purpose. I feel like um, I'm at the stage where I'm I'm engaged, I plan a wedding, and a lot of life thoughts come to mind. I see your wedding ring, so it looks like you are uh, as well. Um, and so, it, it for anyone that's in that stage or has been in that stage, like it, it prompts some you know life thoughts, like a major milestone birthday might about like you know what what you care about, what you believe in, and what you want to be about for the rest of your life and, and things like that. So um, I, 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 I guess I would just agree with your sentiment on that, that it's, it's a worthwhile expedition to see what the right phase is or not phase, but see what the right kind of flow is for you. Agreed, bro. And Hey, congratulations on the marriage. Uh, uh, how old are you, bro? You're in your like early twenties still, right? I'm, tw I'm 28, but I look like I'm 18. <laughs> Yo, you do. You look young as heck, bro. So like, <laughs> I, I would say that like the, the thing about like the commitment that you're making, like, especially for everybody listening that, that's in a relationship or like sales is like a relationship, bro. It is a, it is a commitment. Like when you commit to sales, it's not just about going to work somewhere where you can make a lot of money. It's about the give and the take and the process. It's about the failure. It's about learning. It's about becoming better. It's about saying like, ah, I'm not really comfortable doing this, but I'm going to, I'm going to try it anyway, because my job deserves that. Just like my spouse would deserve me to do that. Because like giving your all and that excellence that I talked about earlier is what it's all about. But I'll say that the second piece of the puzzle for sure, props to my wife, bro. Like she has always brought me back from the darkest places. And like, if you can, if you can lean into your significant other in a way where like, you can tell them the darkest truths and you can be ultra raw with them and you know they won't judge you, but that they love you and they want to see your success. Man, there is a power in that that I can't even describe. And it's another piece of that puzzle of like, when I am in a mode, when it's like, uh, I'm not in a place where I need to be, I'm failing, I'm sucking, I'm going to have a bad attitude for the last week. It's going to a person like my spouse and saying, yo, I need help. Help me. And just being real and raw and honest in those moments that helps with that recharge, helps with that continued, you know, glory that you're seeking and that you're chasing after bro because like it's not that far people think oh, i gotta do this for 10 years oh, i got like dude you every day you can find that glory every day you can be in that state of happiness you have to make that mindset choice though because there, there is no bad life when you're when you are seeking every day seeking happiness like there's no bad month when you hit when you miss quota when you're seeking happiness right mm -hmm. there's no bad year when you didn't hit the president's club trip like you always do when you're seeking happiness, right? So it's a mindset shift more than anything. I love it. I love it. Um, I want to talk sales rebellion for a minute uh, or two. So you started it in 2019, uh, so about two years ago. Talk to me a little bit about that decision, right? You're killing it for, what, 10, 15 years. You're the copier warrior. You're making close to seven figures on certain years. Um, you know, obviously successful in a lot of different ways. So, um, talk to me a little bit. It, it sounds 
somewhat reminiscent of, of your dad, right. Of, of starting maybe something on your own that was, you know, tied to what you believed in, but I'd love to hear you kind of talk about that decision. Yeah. I'll always miss, um, the office equipment industry, man. Like, as a matter of fact, I'm still pretty much in it. Cause I, te I teach so many people that are in that game and in that, in that vertical. So I, it's not that I necessarily left, but I realized that I couldn't impact the, the masses, the way that I wanted to, by just like staying at a company and serving a community. And I can still serve that community too, was, was one of the pieces of the puzzle that I came to as well. So 2007 when was, you know, when I, when I started in that, in that, the ballpark of 2007, so I started with my father and in 2019, I, I hung up the copier warriors Cape, right? I retired him. Um, and that was at the start of the year. So I did all 2018 and then I, I left at the beginning of 2019, started this business three months later um, in March of 2019. So for me, it was, I, I just sat back and like looked at my experiences, things that I had accomplished. And, and I, I said, I don't want to tell the never ending story of sales. I think that's something that a lot of people have a hard time uh, coming to terms with, or even admitting that like, they're just doing the same thing over and over again every year. And like, they're not necessarily getting the kind of fulfillment that they want. And I realized that I had climbed the ladder. I had made it to the top and sure. Like I could easily have started a company and made even more money. And, but really it's about impact for me. It's not about like, Oh, can I have 17 branches that I own? That doesn't that status of that doesn't necessarily say to Dale, like that's the next level. The next level for me is like, the dude in New Zealand that sends me a message and says, yo, I found you six months ago when I started my sales career and you've changed my life. And I just wanted to write you a message and tell you that that is ultimate fulfillment for a guy like me, because I want to see other people succeed. I believe that other people can be better. And I believe that if I put myself out there and provide the resource for it, which is a huge risk, you know, you go from like a guaranteed $150,000 salary plus commissions that are, you know, bonkers at the end of the day, when you're doing the kind of sales uh, capacity, when you're hitting the kind of capacity I was as a salesperson, as the copier warrior uh, to like literally having zero income, right? You, 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 you step out on your own. You have nothing in that moment. You have to go and like rebuild everything. But I had, bro, I, I had the world at my fingertips is the way I saw it. I had everything that I ever desired, which was, a big network on LinkedIn that was built, you know, through my experiences as the copier warrior and just like putting my opinion out there, like copier sales sucks. And the people that are in it are boring and they're playing and they, their existence is like, is much more meaningful than what they put out there. And we need to change that. Right. That was literally what, how I got started. And it just slowly over time snowballed into this thought of, well, we need to, we need a rebellion. We need a rebellion against the sales world. In general, not just the copier world, we needed it in in general against this this the identity of what you said earlier. Read this book and this one and this one and this one from the 1970s that are that are literally so out of touch from what it is that a buyer actually needs and what it is that the 2021 looks like, right? And we're almost to 2022. That like, why are we giving people that kind of material? Like, why aren't we letting them read like Gap Selling by Keenan instead? You know, like. Why is that not mainstream is the thought process. And sure, there's always, there's flaws with all of anybody's process from a perception and perspective, right? Because like, you're not going to agree with everything the rebellion does. You're not going to agree with everything Josh Braun does. You're not going to agree with everything James Say What Buckley Sales does, right? Like you're not going to agree with all of everything that everybody believes in from a sales perspective. But what you should be able to get behind is the message that somebody is carrying out at its core, the essentials. And so that's why the rebellion was important to me because at our core, the essentials of what it is, bro, it's it superseded the money and the safety of having a job. It was like, we have to go out and give this message to people because it's more than just an idea that's good. It's something that will change the, the, the sales landscape and, 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 and consequently, it'll also change communities, change families. I hope that men see their dad in a different way because of my relationship with mine, whether theirs beat them up or was never there for them or, or just wasn't, you know, was lackluster that they will forgive them and say like a dad figure, no matter who you are is worth something. And so, and move on from those things or to turn to their dad that's still on this earth and say, I love you, bro. Even though they don't, right. Or they have a hard time doing that. I want yeah. to make that kind of change in people because I have seen what it's done for me, a guy that shouldn't be here, bro. I should, I, I, I literally should have already committed suicide at this point. I tried, I should have died. My mom shouldn't have saved me. There's so much to the story, right? At the end of the day that, that 
people listening, like understand that the drive doesn't just come from this concept of like, yo, I, I have this really good idea. The drive comes from this identity of like, what kind of legacy do I want to leave and how can I help other people build theirs? And when that is the, the altruistic, you know, standpoint that you take, there's nothing that can go, go wrong in the process. Even if you have to, you know, stop doing what you're doing because you got to pay the bills at some point, like it will always be there and it will always be something that impacted people. Dale, you fucking rule, man. I, I just got to <laughs> say it. Uh, I'm fired up. Like, like I mentioned, we're, you know, we, this is the first time, truly the first time we've, we've ever talked. And, um, you know, you, it's hard to get a, a real perspective of, of what people are like on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn posts, you know, like, are they, are they telling the truth? Are they real? Are they not? You know, like it's hard to tell when people are, are writing, you know, the skip line paragraphs that we're all doing and, and, and all that. But I, this, this conversation is amazing. It, it's speaking to my soul and, and I appreciate how authentic you're being. So I wanted to just have a quick pause in the action and let you know that. Um, and I, I appreciate it. I'd love for you to hit me just for one minute about like, so we're, we're talking about rebellion. Um, and then I, and we're going to get to some rapid fire questions after this, uh, to close this out. Um, but like what, like why I, I, I get conceptually the name, like rebellion, we're, we're rebelling against kind of like the, the, the standards and, and you know, what we've been taught, but what does the word rebel mean to you? I, I imagine you have like a clear cut kind of like definition. Yeah, bro. A rebel is somebody that instills hope and that believes for themselves that there's something much greater for when it comes to their purpose on this earth than just being part of the mediocrity, being part of the status quo. That's really what a rebel is. It's a belief, dude. It's, it's leaning into the word hope and not it just being this fluffy thing, but like understanding that as an action, as a verb, hope is powerful. Hope will charge people to do things that they never believed they could in the first place. It takes us places again, that from a success standpoint, that, that the rebellion wants others to understand they can get to in the first place. Cause most of the time the world tells us, yo, you know, you could do that, or you could just work from home and make $18 an hour and do tech support for Apple. You know, like that's cool. If that makes you happy, that's cool. But like, will people be at your funeral going, gosh, the tech support that he provided me <laughs> was amazing. Right? Like that's, that's not really making much of an impact, right? So we're rebel a rebel in the word itself. Like we look at that mediocre lifestyle concept and say, you know, there's more. Even if you're just impacting a handful of people, right? Every day we can get 1% better through this process. Every day we can be something to somebody that they needed. And maybe five years go by where you don't feel like you're making much impact, but you stayed consistent in your beliefs. And, and in that five years, one person comes to you and goes, yo, you changed my life. And that's the thing that should charge us because like when we're doing that for people, it means that we are living on our edge. The, the thing that we're, we have been called to do on this earth, bro, not to sit around and take it easy. We have a very limited amount of time here and we need to take advantage of that every moment, every second and do things that will leave a lasting legacy. That's what a rebel is. Mm. So you're, you're about three years in just short of three years in on uh do you have your five-year mentality this time around? Yeah, it, this one's been interesting because, you know, there's admittedly, there's been a lot of failure and most of it on my part and not knowing what I'm doing, uh, trying to control everything, um, not really tapping into like who I am in my business, but outside of it still, right? Lots of little things that I've had to learn to get used to and or to recognize to like make things better, right? So it's been a wild ride, dude. And 2022 is going to be awesome. But the five-year plan has always kind of been a 10-year plan at the end of the day. Like, like um, I was 33 when I started and the thought was like 40 to 43 time frame. These are the types of things that we want to have in place. And I feel like we've accomplished a lot of things in these last three years that we should be proud of, but I feel like the best is yet to come. I love it. Um, let's hit you with some rapid fires. Uh, first up, we're big learners on this podcast. We've, we've, uh, we've dissed a handful of books. Uh, we've mentioned a few others, but I'm curious, any books of any genre that have been, you know, very influential in your life, life-changing books that come to mind? 
Yeah, 100. Um, Stu Heineck, read anything he writes. Uh, How to get a meeting with anybody was, he was my silent mentor forever. He just came out with a book called Weeds, Grow Your Business Like a Weed. Check that out as well too. Stu Heineck, one of the best authors, very creative, very in touch with his authentic self. Awesome dude. And if you're not reading, you know, something like Stu Heineck's book to help you with sales and marketing, get into some fantasy, y'all. Like I love Star Wars novels. It's my favorite thing. And the creativity that stems from that and the things that it ignites internally, you know, like it, it is on another level. It's kind of like you were saying earlier, these five books, like I would tell people like tap into the side of them that, that can lean into creativity. So maybe star Wars isn't your thing, but maybe like Hufflepuff or, you know, was that Harry Potter? I think like maybe that's your thing. Like, yeah. Allow those things to drive your business growth and you'll have massive success. What's bumping in the Dale Dupree, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you tune in, what's in the headphones now? Yeah, so like, um, shout out to the Sales Rebellion Spotify playlist. If you just uh, search for Sales Rebel Soundtrack on Spotify, you'll actually find uh, our entire playlist. It's just about 365 songs. It's like almost there. Um, It's like 18 to 20 hours worth of music. It's real chill. It's what we believe to be like good music for salespeople because there's no lyrics. So it allows you to like stay in your head, talk to yourself, keep your mindset in the right place. It doesn't influence, you know, like outside noise kind of concept. Uh, but other than that, bro, like out, outside of that, the the song that I've been listening to all the time right now, I just pulled it up just so like anybody that's listening that wants to listen to it. Um, the artist, it's hard to say his name. It's C-O-U-R-O-S. So it's like Kuros. C-O-U-R-O-S. And the song is called Cracks. And uh, it's like, it speaks to me deep within my soul. Like other than like Juice World, like this is my guy for sure. Is this, is that like heavy metal or what? No, dude, just check it out. Anybody that's listening, check it out. It's uh, (laughs) you, you wouldn't expect it from what I told you my past was for sure. Okay. I'll have to, uh, I'll I'll play it after the show. Um, Who else, what other content um, whether it's it's folks that you like to learn from on on LinkedIn, podcasts you listen to, YouTube, Instagram, wherever you do your learning um, outside of books, blogs, wherever whatever it might be, like a- anything that comes to mind that you've been digging uh, as of late. Um, I love the team at Sasha Group. I just like shout out to the Sasha Group, uh, which is one of the Gary Vee companies. Uh, my coach Maribel Laura over there. A lot of the content that the group at Sasha like puts out is dope. Uh, but from a community standpoint, you know, they make you feel right at home, which I love. What Sales Rebellion has a community as well. Say it again. What is the Sasha? Like what, what is the group? Yeah. Well, uh, Vayner X, you heard of Gary B. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Sasha is his like consulting coaching company, basically like oh, inside of Vayner X. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the rebellion has a community as well too, because I saw so much, we have a Slack community that's open to anybody that wants to get in because I saw so much potential in something like that. But it, that's all stems from LinkedIn, bro. Um, like the communities that we built on LinkedIn, you know, like shout out to David Breyer. He's one of the, the greatest marketing minds in the world on LinkedIn. Uh, shout out to Ian Cognac. He's a fellow sales coach, a, a total, total badass. One of my favorite dudes for sure in the world. Shout out to my guys like Morgan Ingram, James Buckley. Like those guys are dope. Like, there's lots of really good content on LinkedIn. I would tell people to be careful about getting lost in the noise and also to be careful about like buying into me or anybody's ideas as much as they need to understand that the things we all put out is to open your mind so that you can tap into your own authentic self. I love that. I love that message. Um, give me a, give me a rundown. Cause I know we, um, before we head off, we, we want to talk for a minute about, uh, the rebel refuge. I've got some questions. Uh, you mentioned your community on Slack, but this is a little bit different, right? Yeah, just a little bit. And actually you can, <laughs> when you get into the Rebel Refuge, you get access to the Slack right from there as well too. Cause the Slack's like, it's open, but it's not like you can just go find it. Got to kind of like dig around. Uh, but yeah, the Refuge is tight. It's it's kind of like paying for a, a, a Patreon subscription. It's nine bucks a month kind of thing. We basically built our own platform. Um, so we we got developers and coded the whole thing ourselves. It took us a couple of years, uh, but the whole thing is themed out very rebelliously. So it's all about our message of changing the game, being creative. And there's a ton of content on it. Video. There's actually uh, the music that I just told you on the, the Spotify playlist. It's also inside of the the, the refuge app um, and everything is gamified. So like, 
for example, you can go in and do the daily activities where we basically challenge you to do something. In the beginning for the first 15, it's very roots oriented. It's like basics of sales principles of like habits of, of you know, clarification around your sales life, your mission statement, things like that. But then it gets into prospecting and everything else. But so daily, you can get a challenge in there. And if you complete it, it gives you points. Those points uh, put you on a leaderboard so you can compete against fellow rebels, which is a lot of fun. It unlocks achievements, it unlocks sales training videos, and eventually it gives you coins that you can trade in and you can actually buy our courses and all the things that we charge for normally just by being in there, being active and being part of the community. I love it. That's great. So that's called Rebel Refuge. Check that out. Yeah. That's just, uh, um, is that you get that through the app store or how does it work? You like, actually go to salesrebellion.com and you can find links on there um, to get directly to the refuge or just like, I mean, straight up, just Google the rebel refuge. You'll find it. It's out there. Okay. Awesome. I love it. Um, all right. Last question for you. Who do you want to see as a guest uh, next on the millennial sales podcast? Oh, snap. Ooh, Let's see. He's getting a referral. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, have you had Chris Watson on? No. Cool. Check out Chris Watson. He's a, he is a rebel in the making. He is one of the coaches at the organization, but he is um, the CEO and owner of craft and compel. And the dude is a storytelling master. You would, you would have a great time having a conversation with him. I love it. Um, I will hit him up. Dale, anything we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? Oh, bro. The only thing uh, that uh, we haven't mentioned is is you in this awesome podcast, man. Keep doing your thing. <laughs> Keep putting this stuff out there. This is awesome. I Obviously, I checked it out before I came on. I love what you're doing. I appreciate you putting the time into this, right? Because time is the most important thing we can give to people. And I see you doing that. And so props. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Um, this has been a blast. Uh, honestly, this has been a lot of fun. I highly encourage folks check you out. The best place I imagine is, is probably LinkedIn uh, where they can get access to all your content, find the sales rebellion. Everything probably stems uh, from there. So I highly encourage folks check that out. Check out the rebel refuge. I need to go check out the Spotify playlist uh, because I'm, I'm a little a weak on my music game right now. Um, and just a lot of gratitude, man. I appreciate you coming on. Got it, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking out that episode. Happy January, start of the year. Let's kick some ass. Again, one of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers uh, wherever you're listening here uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.